That ball hit deep. Way back. Wells at the ball. Looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Who wants the bunt? It's time. Live. Now it's time for the moment Mercy. you've been waiting for. Mercy. In the entertainment capital of the world. That ball hit high and deep at the wall. He looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yes. 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 History. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Call your friends. Call your neighbors. The doctor is now in. Yes. Yes. Hour number two right here. I want to thank Dr. Christina Madison for giving us the latest, informing us about all the COVID vaccines and sports coming back here to Las Vegas. We'll uh, dive into that this hour as well, too. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank. Don't forget, get the William Hill mobile app. Real easy to use with that. TC50 is the promo code. Deposit at least $50 in a brand new account. They'll match it with an additional $50. Take advantage of that at any of the William Hill Sportsbook properties. Again, that's to open a new account. Download on the app first and go into any of the William Hill locations, the kiosk around town. The promo code TC50 for that. And also, speaking of promo codes... Our good friend RVD's got a great CBD company, as you've you've heard here on the show. You heard him talk about it. Our loyal listeners have uh, endorsed it as well, too. Now is your opportunity. Go on his website and get anything that you want with a great discount of 21%. It's RVDCBD.com. That's RVDCBD.com. The promo code of TCRVD. Use that, and you're going to get 21% off of anything on the website for all of your CBD needs. That's the oils, the creams, the smokables, the edibles, tinctures. I think I got it all, right? right? We're going to call that the Hope Discount from now on? The Hope Discount? <laughs> 21 up, 21 down. Oh, all strikeouts. 21 strikeouts. And, of course, we're talking about the pitcher. You know, two no-hitters yesterday in Major League's Carlos uh, Rodon for the White Sox and the perfect, perfect, perfect game of the North Texas pitcher in softball as she struck out 21 batters. Face 21, struck them all out yesterday. Total of 78 pitches. The green machine was rolling. Yes, absolutely. All right. Chuck Esposito, my man. What's going on? I am all good, boys. First, it's uh, great to be on with you guys, as as always when we do this once a week. And uh, it's good, man. Masters was great. Baseball's great. Football are up. Uh, Basketball and hockey are a month away from the end of their seasons and kind of different playoff formats for both uh, for both leagues this year. We're a couple weeks away from the Derby. A lot of good stuff, guys. No doubt about it. How, were, how was the Masters for you guys? We know that Matsuyama was around 65, 70 to 1, so I'm sure not much liability there. But, you know, again, golf is so spread out, like we talked about before, where you get action just about, uh, I don't want to say on everybody, but, uh, you know, uh, when someone just kind of comes out of the blue and wins, that's got to be good for the books. Well, he hadn't won in four years, and um, you're right. He was 60-1, to 1, definitely took some play on him at 60-1, to 1, still were in terrific shape, but there was uh, a few guests that were definitely smiling. I think when you look at, um, you know, Zalteros and, and, and uh, Atsuyama, how well that they golfed, you're never going to see them with those high odds 
that they that they had um, in that event. Uh, and there's so much parity, I think, and so many good young uh, golfers out there right now that, you know, you don't have that overwhelming favorite. I think you look for value up and down the board um, even more so. And that's what some players did with, uh, with you know, the 60 to 1 or greater price industry-wide. You, we talked uh, last week, Chuck, about the Masters. You know, kind of being that you know that first tournament, and just it's a, such a feel good tournament. Augusta National. You, know, you see the green grass and everything, the azaleas, and you know, you know, people want to get out and and hit the links and everything. So obviously, I think that's going to trans uh, transfer to people going to the window and betting. Is the Masters the most bet on uh, golf event, or is it maybe the U.S. Open or even the British Open? No, it, it's clearly the um, the Masters guys. I think when you look at um, all four majors, they, they generate a tremendous amount of play. And with all the different um, uh, wagering opportunities, the way we've expanded the menu with, with props and adjustments after every round and guests able to not have to come in but be able to see all that stuff on the app, um, I think it's great. But, uh, but by far, the Masters is, is, is the hugest golf event for betters. When you have something like that, and you mentioned a couple people were smiling because they did cash those big tickets, you guys are usually actually kind of smiling behind the desk too, right? Because when somebody does win in that, um, doesn't it usually um, kind of just go hand in hand that then they go behind uh, and then they bet some of the baseball or basketball or something else going on as well? So, you know, just because somebody won at one sport, they uh, a lot of times they reinvested in other things, correct? Tell him, TC. I'm never smiling when that happens. <laughs> no, you're you're uh, you're absolutely right, ballpark. I mean, a lot of times that does happen, you know. Um, but th- th- there was tremendous value on them, as there was with some other golfers as well. And um, I think that happens again in, in a lot of sports. You're not necessarily always looking at the favorite. Uh, you're looking for some value. But yeah, if, if you if you're able to make a you know a, a good size um, you know win, uh, yeah, it, it definitely gives you opportunities to kind of dabble and, and have fun in some other sports. Um, and we've seen that as well. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us from Sunset Station. Chuck, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, we know that they have been the favorites in in the last, what, five or six games and continue to play these uh, you know bottom feeders pretty much in the, in the West. Uh, they're going to be at minimum $2 favorites. It doesn't even matter if it's on the road or not, but they're on fire right now. Uh, tell us uh, what you've been seeing at the window with Golden Knights money. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, guys. I mean, from a fan's perspective and when everybody's back, I mean, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm a huge fan. I, I love that they've had so much success when they've come into the league. Uh, you look at that Western division right now, and, you know, the two teams at, at, at the top of our future book board are kind of nice lightning, I should say, in three teams and our, our avalanche. And two of those three teams are in the Western division in, in VGK and Colorado. But from the from the business side of it, from the bookmaking side of it, in many cases we're, we're rooting against them, and especially on the puck line. When you have a game like last night where they they cover the puck line, they win, the total goes over. Um, it's usually not a good good night for our side of the counter as far as their game goes, and the betters do quite well on that. So uh, they're sitting kind of pretty right now. They're at 60 points. They they've got a game in hand. They've got a couple of games left against Colorado uh, out here. Um, and they trail them by four points. So I think it's imperative, as we've kind of discussed in the past, that for one of those two teams to finish number one, um, I think if Vegas finishes two, they've had their struggles with Minnesota. I think it's much easier for the one seed against either um, St. Louis or Arizona. Um, But uh, it's going to be a fight down to the end with Vegas and Colorado. You just don't kind of see two of the three or two of the top teams in the league usually in the same division. It's usually spread out a little bit more. 
So it's going to be fun to watch these two teams go at it down the stretch. And, and as you mentioned, teams don't play outside their division. So when you've got teams that have really struggled and, you know, you've got half the teams in their division below 500. Coyotes are, are below now and they've lost five straight. And, you know, the Sharks have lost three straight and the Kings two straight. The Ducks have won a couple in a row, but they're at the bottom of the division. So you have to beat these teams below you and hope you can chop it up against the really good teams. But there's three really good teams in the West, guys, and that's Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota. So, Chuck, uh, earlier today, a Ballpark and I got a proposition from our general manager, and we were gonna. I want you to, to weigh in on this here. The wager was that our general manager is taking – the Vegas Golden Knights, and he offered Ballpark and I the field for a dinner bet at, at the end of the season. So uh, what do you think, Chuck? What, what, are, are, are Ballpark and I in good shape here? We're going to take the field. All I want to know is where you guys are going to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> set the, set I, the line on that. What's the line on that? I'm clearly not saying that Vegas can't win it all because they absolutely can. I think the move for Yanmark was was really good. He's a good two-way player, a special teams player. But it's just, you know, you can make a case that hoisting Lord Stanley's trophy is the most difficult in all of sports for the amount of seven-game series you have to win. Um, The structure is so much different this year. And, I mean, you look at the three teams on top in the Central, in Florida, Carolina, and Tampa. You look at Washington and what they did at the deadline. And out in the north, the Canadian division with Toronto, and even in Colorado, in in Vegas' own division, there's no guarantee they're one of the final four. So as much as I'd like to see them advance, and they clearly can win it all, I think if, if you've got odds like that, it, again, you know, I start, uh, I start making some reservations, boys, or at least looking at some restaurants. Well, and again, and, and that's why I kind of took it because I'm like, wait, you're not even making me pick a team? So, yeah, I will do that, and it's not even necessarily rooting against the Vegas Golden Knights. It's just going with the odds there. But you mentioned the right. fact Right, hey, that's of, exactly it. That's exactly it, right. And, and, and you mentioned the fact of all the teams in that, uh, you know – it's important that Vegas win this division and they get past Colorado for that top seed because, like you mentioned, Minnesota's been a nightmare matchup for the Vegas Golden Knights ever since they first joined the league. And Colorado, could they have picked a better time to get a goaltender like Dubnik to join their franchise with Grubauer going down with the COVID, but now they have a quality starter in there? I mean, there's a lot of teams out there, but is there anybody or any move that you saw that you really went, wow, this team was already really good, but now they've really put themselves in a position to make a run at the Cup? I thought Toronto, um, with what they did, um, you know, was really strong. Um, you know, they, they were the team that we dropped a little bit uh, once they had the, made the Felino trade. I think Boston picking up Hall um, does help them as well. Boston's one of those teams that can roll out four lines, guys. And, you know, if, if Tuka Rask is healthy and back, I think they're really good. And then I just look out central. You know, I mean, you look at the Hurricanes, the Lightning, and Panthers. Man, they are just so good. And, and again, you have to remember, this isn't one against eight. There's no more conferences. You are playing in the playoffs. You know, the, the top four teams in every division play. You play that first series, that second series, and then it becomes the final four. And they're, and they're re, um, you know, they shuff, reshuffle the deck based on reseed how you finish during the regular season. So when you look right now at, at Vegas at 60 points, I mean, the only team that they really trail right now is the team that they're looking up at in the West, and that's Colorado, because Toronto has exactly 60 points. Washington has exactly 60 points. 
And oh, there's three teams that are awfully good in the Central, Carolina, Tampa, and Florida, as I mentioned. They're all sitting there at 58 points. So Vegas can clearly win it all. And from a fan's perspective, how cool would that be? But but you're right, uh, Ballpark. It's all about, you know, if you look at the odds and the analytics of it, it's, you know, it, it, it's tough to say that, um, you know, if that's the wager, that most people wouldn't say, hey, I'm taking the field. You know, Chuck, we have seen it, in, you know, in hockey a lot where the lower seeds can win the cup. We saw Tampa Bay when everybody thought that they were going to win the cup a couple of years ago when they just rolled through the regular season and they get ousted in the first round. If you've got to pick maybe one team that uh, could be a live long shot here on the futures board that you think can, can put a nice run together and win four series in the postseason, who would that be? You know, it's hard to say that there is a, a long shot at this point of the season with teams, you know, only having, you know, anywhere from 10 to, to 13 games left. But the two teams that I would look at that aren't, you know, maybe in that top six that everyone's looking at right now, one would be the Penguins. I think picking up uh, Jeff Carter is, is a huge pickup for them. Um, they're, they're kind of still in that mix with the Islanders and Capitals. They're not that far off. And I think you look at Winnipeg, too. I mean, Winnipeg can score um, with anybody. Um, they've got really good goaltending on Halleback. They're just a little bit weak on the back end. But, I mean, I think those two teams, for me, if I was looking for kind of a quasi-sleeper, um, those would be the two teams, guys. Yeah, and, and I would even throw in there, if to me, the long shot that really does have talent, but again, I have no idea if they even have a shot to get out of the division. I really do like the way Minnesota's been playing in, in this division here, and as good as Colorado is, I'm still not completely sold on Grubauer, and they seem to have a problem getting healthy. If they match up with Vegas in the first round, that's been a tough matchup for them. I've really been impressed with the way Talbot's played this year. I didn't see that when he was in, at the other teams that he was at, but he's played well, but it probably helps that he's got a good defense in front of him as well, but um, again, there's a good chance they get knocked out in the first round, but if they get a couple wins and they could win a round or two, that that, that confidence in that, I, I think they're one of the you know sleeper stores in the NHL this year. Yeah, I don't I don't really think they're that much of a of a sleeper. Um, you know, I, I think they're a good team, and I think you look at the the balance that they have and and the number of talented defenders they have. They do have a game in hand against Vegas and, and two games in hand against Colorado. I think they're, they're really good. And, and as you mentioned, guys, uh, Vegas has had their struggles with them. That division is just so tough because if you finish, if you don't finish one, and you're two or three, I mean, for Vegas um, or Minnesota, if it ends the way it is today, say for argument's sake, you know, Minnesota would have to get, would have to beat Vegas and Colorado not have home home ice, and then go to the final four as maybe the bottom of those four when it gets reseeded. So, as I mentioned, it is awfully tough to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup, and I think that's why, you know, that, that bet, you look at it and say it is just, you know, a monumental task when it's one team against the entire field. And I don't care who that team is. If you, could, you could have given me, you know, Tampa. You could give me any of the teams in the Central. Um, you know, even if you gave me Tampa, Carolina, and um, – uh, of Florida, I still would probably take the field because only one of those teams is going to come out of that division, um, you know, with having a chance to win it the way it's structured this year. And I think it's just awfully tough, guys. 
Chuck Esposito joins us, Sunset Station, Director of Racing Sports with East Station Casino Properties. Chuck, we've been talking the last couple of days about the NBA playoff format. Again, it's going to be kind of weird for a lot of people, you know, for this uh, play-in uh, series and teams from, you know, finish between 7 and, and 10 are going to be battling just for a right to, to get in the playoffs. Are you a fan of, of what the NBA is trying to do here and uh, we know that Mark Cuban was very vocal about this. Luka Doncic was also very vocal about this, not not liking this. Uh, give me your thoughts about that. You know, guys, I think under the circumstances and kind of what we went through last year, um, I, I'm totally on board with what hockey did this year, um, the way they've kind of structured it. And you're guaranteed to have one of the Canadian teams in the Final Four. And I'm okay with it in, in the NBA. I think we, we talk about it in hockey that at any time, um, as you mentioned, TC, that, you know, an 8 can beat a number one. We, we saw that with, um, you know, the Tampa getting uh, beat by uh, um, Columbus. We saw that Nashville beat Chicago a few years ago. So it, it's not out of the question. But in, in basketball, you don't see that as much. And that's why I think this year it is so critical to be, you know, in the top six in your conference because, you know, seven and eight play in that play-in series – Seven, the winner becomes the seventh seed. The eighth then takes on whoever the you know kind of prevails between the ninth and tenth seed. So I think it's fine. I mean, for our side of the counter, it gives us you know more kind of playoff games that we can have on the board, and you're able to expand the menu a little bit. And I think it's it's just because it's something a little bit different, and you know just gives kind of the fans and our side and, and the guests something a little bit different to look at. But I'm totally on board with it. I don't think it's a bad structure at all, and I'm just excited we're going to have you know, playoffs in both these sports, and they're going to be kind of cool and, and kind of be going on at the exact same time with both seasons scheduled to end right around May 17th. Has it been difficult to make some of these individual game lines here because of all of the injuries or sometimes not even injuries where players are sitting out in these NBA games, and we know it's transpired with the Lakers, with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, I mean, these thin rosters, but then the Kyrie Irving situation where, hey, I'm just taking time off. And again, a lot of times we're not even getting this information until very, very late on who's deciding to play and not play. It is, guys. I, you know, I know we've talked about it before that um, I think in basketball it's probably um, the toughest out of any of the sports right now because of that. That you know, I, I know the league kind of stepped in and said if it's a, a marquee kind of nationally televised game, they, they don't want players taking you know, so-called days off or a maintenance day. Um, we're in an information era. Our guests are, you know, out there and, and getting the information and, you know, looking at it just like we are. So we really have to stay on top of it more. I mean, it's much easier for our side of the counter, guys, if we know if a player is in or out. It doesn't matter who that player is. If it's LeBron, if it's uh, Antetokounmpo, it doesn't matter if we know if he's in or out. It's the uncertainty that, that causes, you know, so much kind of, you know, fluctuation in the line and line adjustments or a game to come down. And, and I think the NBA, more than any other league right now, um, it does make it a little bit difficult when we don't know that information. But, again, in an information era, we're out there doing our homework and, and studying it and trying to adjust the lines accordingly because I know the guests on the other side of the counter are just as prepared. Chuck, you just mentioned getting information on stuff and trying to book as much as possible to give the, the betters out there and the, and the fan base uh, opportunities to bet on almost everything. How do you handle situations, and it seems like it's coming up more and more, like this weekend we have another one of those fights that's not a fight. 
with Jake Paul taking on Ben Askren. Do you guys sit in the back and say, we can book this one, we're not going to book that one, we're going to look at... I mean, how do you deal with all this kind of stuff right now that for boxing matches or MMA matches or whatever that aren't really legitimate sanctioned fights, so to speak? You know, we're going to try to put up um, guys as much as we can. And, you know, I know that we're always expanding our wagering menu if it's more props. I mean, every single day... There's more and more player props up in every sport. There's a, a slew of props up for every VGK game, for every Raider game, which becomes the game within the game, booking Aviators games, booking Silver Knights games, and even some of these, pro- these prize fights like this. Now, I'm not going to say that the, the limits are going to be the same as you would see on a pro football game or on a, you know, on a UFC fight uh, involving McGregor, but we're still going to put this stuff on the board because there still is interest in it. Um, so with that said, our wagering menu, you know, once we never look back. We're always looking to kind of expand it, offer more, and, you know, give the guests uh, something to, to watch. Uh, let, me, let me backtrack one sec. There is such a correlation between being able to watch an event like that and being able to bet on an event like that. That's what becomes kind of the win-win, I think, for our side of the counter. All right, Chuck, uh, Major League Baseball, real quick. Uh, how have, uh, How's baseball season been treating you guys? And people have been coming in and betting a lot or what? They have, guys. I think with all the early start times in games, it's it's phenomenal. It adds just so much to our daily routine. Um, but, you know, you look at the early starts so far with teams that are playing, you know, played anywhere from maybe 10 to, to 13 games. And, and through that mix, um, usually, you know, historically baseball, favorites are hitting somewhere in that 60, kind of one to, to 63% clip. It is exactly a 50-50 split right now with favorites and underdogs. So if you told me, you know, uh, around all-star break time and then later on this summer it'd be 50-50, I'd be smiling because that's usually not in the case with baseball. So I'm sure it'll kind of, you know, uh, change a bit. and You'll start seeing some of those favorites win games. But when you look at the Central and see, you know, KC on top, and, you know, you see the streak that the Red Sox were on and the West with, you know, Seattle on top, it looks a little backwards right now. Uh, the fact that Atlanta's got off to a really cool, st- uh, cold start, hasn't been the, the dominant team that everybody thought they would. That, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, hey, the dogs are playing well right now, although it is a long season. We're only about 10 to 14 games in uh, for each team. Staying on the baseball front, last night the White Sox had a no-hitter, almost had the perfect game. Does a game like that add a little bit more excitement and get people a little bit more energized about baseball again, or is it just kind of an anomaly and a one-off and it doesn't really have any lingering effect? You know, I think it's kind of a combination, Ballpark. Uh, anytime somebody throws a no-hitter, it is something, you know, so cool that, you know, it's it's not – see all the time. It is the second one that occurred um, this year in, in, in Major League Baseball. Um, so I, I still think it adds kind of a, you know, a, a, an additional aura to the game and an excitement. But, but overall, I, I think you see a, a great handle on baseball regardless because, you know, there are games every single day um, and they're spread out from morning till night. It's not like you see in, in basketball or hockey where excluding the weekends, you know, over 90% of the games are played, you know, from like 4 o'clock our time on to later in the evening. You've just got baseball games all morning. You know, you had a number of 9.30 and, and 10 o'clock and 11 a.m. games almost daily, which just kind of adds, I think, to the overall wagering menu and get, gives guests an opportunity to bet early in the day and, and tie it to games that are later in the day and, and really have more to root for from morning till night. 
All right, Chuck Esposito, Sunset Station. Get the STN mobile app, easy to use, and uh, the bonuses are there as well, too. Chuck, plug away on that. Yeah, we still we still have up to the $500 bonus, guys, going on for new STN mobile signups. And as we talked about, with all these sports, what a great time to get the mobile app. Um, we're going to have pro football pro, uh, draft props um, on the app this weekend. We know the draft's going to be huge. Uh, still, you know, you have to come in for this, but for you race fans, We've got um, you know the ten thousand dollar twin queues on Saturday, Kentucky Oaks Friday a ten thousand dollar twin queue, and Kentucky Derby Saturday uh, a twenty thousand dollar twin queue. And we know our books get busy too. We love all you guys when you come in and enjoy everything we have to offer. But we now offer our race and sportsbook kiosks at all of our properties, including the Wildfire Gaming properties and the El Cortez. Skip the line. Run up to a kiosk. You don't have to wait in line. Uh, make your bets. Those are available as well. So it should be fun for us. There's so much going on in April. Get signed up for the STN mobile app. And uh, it's always fun to chat with you guys. And, uh, you know, this uh, NBA and NHL season, as they wind down, it's going to be even more and more interesting, especially the way the NHL divisions are structured. No doubt about it. All right. Get out there. Sunset Station or any of the station casino properties. And go say hi to Chuck. You'll see the smile on his face back there. You know, No matter what's happening there, there'll be a smile on his face at some point in time some part of the game according to ballpark there always is man absolutely (laughs) you're just a happy guy man you know we're just i am buddy i am man happier to talk to you two guys and have fun just living in your world chuck that's all we're doing man (laughs) take care my man we'll see you soon all right boys always good to talk to you have a great week all right chuck esposito love going over their sunset station and any of these station casino properties love over there again great uh, sports books great food options of course very very comfortable and uh, just a local's favorite no yeah. doubt yeah nice place uh and chuck's just a great guy too he really is a big guy i think he might be smiling a little bit more if the blackhawks ever become relevant again. yeah i know i know <laughs> uh, I'm, i was looking at them in the standings today you know when we have our field bet i'm going uh, maybe I can sneak in there no no i told you reality finally <laughs> hit them they had a, they were a real nice story for the first half of the season that division is so stacked there they're not making the playoffs. All right. Don Logan is going to join us, the president of baseball operations with the Las Vegas Aviators. We'll talk a little minor league baseball, some rule changes, some crazy stuff. That's next. Now, back to more of Las Vegas's favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, as you know, we're a couple weeks into the Major League Baseball season. Teams have around 12 games or so completed, and we are about three weeks away from minor league baseball, and yes, a return to baseball here in Las Vegas at the ballpark in Summerlin, the Las Vegas Aviators. And joining us now is the, the president of the Aviators, Don Logan, great friend, great job, and a long-time Las Vegas guy. What's going on, Don? Not much, uh, just... Getting gearing up, getting ready for the season. I know, man. So no minor league baseball last year, Don. I know that that uh, was was a pain not only for you guys but for fans as well too. Especially coming off, you know, the opening of the ballpark uh, the year prior to that. Uh, talk a little bit about you know what that was like last year and describe. I, I know there's, you know, there was big time financial effects in losing an entire season as well. Well, it was. But, you know, I think early on, you know, it was obviously very frustrating. But as the gravity of the whole pandemic really set in and everybody, including us, really understood how 
dangerous it was and the effect it had on the entire world. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of times people uh, use hyperbole and say, you know, that in the world or something in the world, it's, you're the best in the world. Well, this truly did affect the entire world. And, you know, it put everything in perspective, uh, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, uh, going to the grocery store, going to, and just going to restaurants, going to shows, doing anything was, it was affected in a way that nobody ever anticipated. And, uh, you know, there was no manual on how to do it. And so you, you just had to get through it. And, you know, as a country, we did that. I think as a, as a whole, as a race, we had to do it. So once you've got your mind around that, the fact that this was way bigger than any individual or any entity, I, I think it was, you know, we, we put up with it, we got through it. And now, time to get back to some normalcy you know not to belabor that point don but you know again it was such an unusual situation especially for minor league baseball because you know we saw major league baseball you know open spring training they hit the pause button you guys always you know start a, a little bit later and then there was this you know no one knew when major league baseball was going to come back and then they agreed on the 60 game schedule and we've seen other leagues postpone uh you know and or getting shortened seasons and we saw that but with you guys you lost an entire season so talk a little bit about that how strange it was where you're seeing your parent team like the A's in this situation and all the other teams playing where you guys are not even operating in business well, it, it was obviously it was very strange is a good word for it. Uh, it, w- it was tough because again, I think if that if everybody understood COVID and the implications today or then the way they do today, it probably wouldn't have happened that way. I do know that uh, there was a great desire at the major league level to try to at least play at the AAA level because uh, the alternate site ended up being what they did and uh, they're doing it right now but uh, the reality of that from a baseball perspective was uh, younger players developing players or players that have been there that are trying to get back they need to play meaningful games they need uh, hitters need meaningful at bats pitchers need meaningful innings and taking batting practice and you know throwing a bullpen or playing inter-squad games or playing somebody else's uh, club when you know you're, you obviously you keep score but it, it just it didn't do for the game what we do you know we perform a very important function in the whole process of, uh, of player development and uh, so yeah it was hard seeing that but again it, it just uh, you, you sit back and decisions are made and you know they're tough decisions and you you just have to accept it and know your your situation and then you know in our case you know, coming off just an unbelievably successful first year, uh, it was disappointing. Uh, I was most disappointed for our fans. I can, you know, you can't have the kind of success we had without great fans, and we have that. And, uh, you know, it, it was really hard uh, as as things started to loosen up and you got to see people. Uh, it was really tough that, you know, so many folks would – they could even they recognize me with a mask and they'd come up and say, "Man, we miss coming out to the ballpark." So, I look forward to this season. You know, it, it's things are going to get better. We're going to get back to some level of normal, and Las Vegas ballpark is going to be a big part of the whole sports entertainment scene here in Las Vegas. 
When you know, Don, you mentioned the fact of uh, fans missing the ballpark, and certainly one of the reasons that you have great fans is because of the great job that you and the crew have done over there with the Stars and the 51s and now the Aviators. And I've had so many people come up to me and say, what are they doing with the ballpark? When is it going to be open again? Uh, with the governor recently saying that Vegas is going to be wide open and Dana White saying the UFC is going to be selling out T-Mobile Arena, what is the plans right now for Las Vegas Ballpark and the Aviators this year as far as number of fans, capacity, and uh, how the season's looking going forward here? Because it's starting up pretty soon. Well, I think you know what the governor announced certainly gave people hope. Um, the reality is, is on May 1st, the oversight shifts to the county, and uh, so Clark County is going to become the the gatekeeper, if you will, of, of what goes on not only here but at T-Mobile and Allegiant. Uh, I think it, it's, a, it's a good thing, certainly for all of us. Uh, you saw right away that, you know, the UFC fight announced at Allegiant, uh, uh, the, the uh, soccer championship announced at Allegiant. Obviously, you've got I I think uh, the Knights are certainly one of the fav- they are I think the second favorite to win the Stanley Cup and getting people getting T-Mobile revved up for that and uh, helping the home team with the, the home team crowd a lot of those things it's going to be good and you know we open here on May 6th uh, we're still in this situation working through the the COVID protocols that. You know, they they change a lot, and they should change a lot. There's no – you can't make absolute determinations with this thing because it's a it truly is a daily uh, – a daily adjustment that has to get made. But right now we're planning on about 50% occupancy. Uh, you know, the, the social distancing elements uh, are important. I think, you know, again, we learned, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we know more now than we did that uh, – it's an airborne transmission of the COVID is transferred that way. Uh, you know, we're going to require people to wear masks. And I understand already people are vaccinated and are feeling like they shouldn't have to do that. But I think it's going to give everybody a level of comfort, uh, no matter if they're vaccinated or not, if they've had it or not. Uh, seeing people with masks is something that I think is going to be important. And I, honestly, I think it's probably going to be uh, something that's going to that's going to be around for a while. I, I don't foresee masks going anywhere. Uh, again, it's each state looks at it differently. Each community looks at it differently. Uh, it, it hopefully doesn't become overly political, though. In the world we live in now, I think everything gets political. So uh, we'll make the most of it. And uh, you know, as things as the the guidelines. Uh, as things open up, as the, the capacity limits are increased, we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. And, you know, hopefully, if Steve's right, the, the governor's right, the, you know, by June 1, we're back to 100% capacity and everybody can cheer the Knights on to a Stanley Cup and they can come out here and enjoy the, the Aviators games, Las Vegas ballpark, and really start to get to see uh, the, 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 the real challenge in all this to me in the community was Allegiant Stadium. I mean, that just watching that place grow up, go up the proximity of it to the strip, uh, you know, even in a in the during a pandemic, people certainly got out and drove around and you saw that thing and you you couldn't go in and really enjoy it to the level that we're going to. That that's something I certainly know I'm looking forward to doing. 
Don Logan joins us, the president of the Las Vegas Aviators. Don, what can fans expect when baseball does return to the ballpark? Well, I think, you know, much of the same. It, it's uh, it, the plate's still 17 inches wide. The, the rubber's 60 feet, 6 inches away. The well, base well maybe ready. maybe at your stadium in, in AAA, but maybe some of the independent league, and we'll get to that here in a minute. Maybe not, right? Well, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I like the double hook thing. That's kind of cool. But, that, you know, it. I am obviously, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Our game has survived for so long. Uh, and, and it, you know, we don't have a clock. You know, some games, I mean, I was watching the Dodger game last night. It was like the game that wouldn't end, you know, and it, 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 was, it was a 4-2 game. But it's part of the... It's part of the of a nuance that baseball has that really uh, you try to change it, you try to speed it up, you try to do things to it. But at the end of the day, it, it is what it is, and that's what makes it so special. And it's something that it's like I said, it's 17 inches, it's 60 feet, six inches, it's 90 feet. You know, Babe Ruth played that way, and now Mike Trout's playing that way. So, you know, our games are going to be good high caliber professional baseball. Uh, I think some of the, you know, the amenities that we we really uh, took it took to a level that nobody had ever seen that the food and beverage, the the fun that you can have at the ballpark, the way that uh, our mascots interface, you know, some of those things are going to have to be uh, ratcheted down for a while. I know that the food is a big issue and uh, talking to uh, earlier today, talking to our concessionaire uh, PSC Levy about what they learned in spring training, similar size venues to this, uh, you know, there, there won't be the, the variety of food offerings will not start off at the level that people got used to in uh, 2019, but we, we hope to get back to that ASAP. Oh, man, you're breaking my heart when you say that, Don, because, I mean, man, the, the, the burgers and the tacos that you got there, are you kidding me? I mean, the burrito it, the burrito's <laughs> going to be there. You can't not have the burrito. That, that's a must-have. And that really is part – you mentioned about Allegiant Stadium, people going to see that and going inside. But honestly, Don, I mean, the ballpark there where you guys have – you know, people do go for the baseball, and of course, it's high level, it's AAA. But let's be honest, people really go to minor league baseball, specifically your place, for the ambience, the food options, the picturesque scenes, uh, to walk out by the pool. I, I mean, love that's the fact all that you part can, of it in, in the area. I, I love the fact that you yeah. can walk around the whole ballpark. Yes, I, I love that that aspect of it. Well, and you know, you're going to be able to do that. I think again, we're going to. Uh, we're going to ask people to, to be mindful of social distancing. I, I, you know, there's a few good things that come out of that are going to come out of COVID. The man hug's going to go the way of the Conestoga wagon, which <laughs> doesn't cost me one bit. Uh, you know, but you know, people being in, in in other people's spaces or strangers getting in other people's space that those aren't bad things. Uh, respecting the people around you, whether you know them or not. I, I you know, it's still it's not going to change the ability that people are going to have out here to take a walk around the stadium that's a, that is a big part of this the the 360 degree circulation here is something that we were you know we we really had to have and we did it that way for a reason to you know, baseball again lends itself to you know you watch a, a two or three innings and then you get up and stretch your legs and go take a look and look at the the game has a different feel and a different uh, look from different angles in the stadium and 
Absolutely. We want people to do that. We want the, you know, This is their ballpark. This is the Las Vegas ballpark. This is built for all the residents in Southern Nevada to come out and enjoy it, to, you know, whatever the, the way they'd like to enjoy baseball. If they want to sit in their seat and keep score and not get up much, that's great. If they want to go wander around, that's great. Uh, you know, whatever. That's, uh, that's how it should be. So, Don, let's talk a little bit about uh, more in depth about these changes in minor league baseball with the rules. Now, we know the independent Atlantic League has tested some rule changes in the past, and Major League Baseball is going to team up with them again. And again, I guess they're aiming to keep starting pitchers in the game longer and creating more balls in play. And how are they going to do this? Well, I guess the second half of the Atlantic League this summer, they're going to start on August the 3rd, where the pitching rubber will will be moved back one foot. So instead of the 60 feet, 6 inches like you're talking about, the Las Vegas ballpark and for all AAA, it's 61 feet, 6 inches, giving hitters more time to react to pitches. Here's a press release, and I'm sure you've seen this from Major League Baseball. With strikeout rates increasing for 15 consecutive years, MLB determined that the additional foot would be the minimum interval needed to uh, evaluate a change in mound distance. The hope is fewer swing and misses and more contact, a change that is meaningful without being disruptive. Is this really necessary, Don? I mean, I don't like it. Well, honestly, I think, uh, you know, the people that are a lot smarter than me are, are thinking about this. And again, they're, just, they're trying to, to change the game. It's, it's not a lot different than what replay did with football and, you know, basketball does it now, and uh, it, it's something that, I, I, as much as anything, trying things and trying it at the independent level, uh, you know, that's that's a probably a good place to do it. You know, one of the things we always, uh, I've heard a lot of pitchers be told through the years is, you know, if you can find another foot on your fastball, you're going to be a dominant guy in the big leagues. I, I, the guy that comes to mind right now is Chase Bradford, a local kid, uh, he's uh, he was signed by the Atlanta Braves this year, coming off of Tommy John. You know, that's what they always were saying. If Chase could find another foot on his fastball, now he's going to have to find two feet. Right. Uh, and that's uh, I, I, you know, it to me the simplest solution would be to to call more strikes to get hitters. It, it, it's kind of a double edged sword because the OPS is such a big part of the game and uh, guys getting on base, which you know, I, there's a lot of clubs that, that adhere to the analytics of the game. Uh, a guy can strike out as long as if you see five pitches or more in an at-bat, they consider it a good at-bat, whether you, you look bad swinging and missing. If you were able to get a pitcher to throw five pitches, it, it, it's supposedly good. You know, I don't know that, uh, it, that that's really the case. Uh, I think if you want more action – uh, the strike zone could be expanded, you know, which is something, uh, you know, pitchers would like certainly. But I think hitter, it would make hitters be more aggressive. And if the hitters are more aggressive, they're going to put more balls in play. Uh, you know, the shift thing, it kind of the way hitters are taught now. Everybody is about hitting home runs or just leaning and launching. And uh, if it's more, it would bring it back to more contact if the if the strike zone were increased. That. That's probably a simpler fix. I know I can imagine with the the head scratching going on with the groundskeepers at the independents that how they're going to do that. And I also guarantee you that there, there's even today you could go around Major League Baseball and measure every 
distance the mound and the plate, and you'd see some variance there. And you know, at the at the lower levels where you, you don't have the resources, maybe I, I know MLB is going to supplement that and try to make it uh, you know, make it easy financially for those clubs. But who knows? It's um, it, it, at least they're trying. You know, I think uh, they're trying things, and uh, it, it's kind of like the the DH. You know, I'm I like the pitchers having to hit. Now everybody said that it's boring. Why a pitcher's just going to go up and make an out, but that makes that brings the manager into play more often. It makes using your bench uh, more important. It, it you know it makes your bullpen the way you use your bullpen. Uh, as it, the manager again using the bullpen appropriately and not burning up too many arms, having a having a guy on the bench for a late inning situation to come in and pinch hit. Uh, some of the nuances of baseball that really are, I think, are fun and make it uh, make it good are, are eliminated by the DH. I mean, I've never, you know, never been a big fan of that. Now it's been around for so long. It, it's kind of you know, and at the college level and high school level, the, the DH is is the way it is. Yeah, I'm not so convinced. That's all. I'm, I've never been convinced that's a good thing. So uh, I'm kind of a show me kind of guy. I'd like to see how how it really works out. You know, you brought up a lot of good points there, Don. And uh, you know, one of the things, like you mentioned, guys swinging for the fences is one of the reasons there's more strikeouts. Every team yep. having multiple guys that throw the ball 100 miles an hour is certainly one of the things. And I know they're talking about pitch it, moving the mound back to, to give them a little bit more time in that fastball. But I would think that it might have more of an effect on the pitchers with the breaking stuff. If you've been pitching your whole life to have the ball break right over the plate from 60 feet six inches, now that pitch that breaks over the plate is breaking into the dirt or doing something else. It might be a bit of a tougher adjustment for the guys oh, that don't necessarily throw a hundred that that's exactly right you know just think that it's it really that if you think I, I have talked to a few pitchers about it and it's you know that's a tough thing and command is the key to effective pitching you got to be able to command your fastball and throw it where you need to you know in in out up and down uh, and that sets up the breaking balls and you know that if that extra foot will be very interesting. I would predict there's going to be a ton of walks. It's going to slow things down more than speed it up. Right. Uh, but guys on base, you know, I, I've always believed count leverage is an important element for a hitter. You know, at two o three one, those are hitters' counts, and that's a time a guy can, you know, dig in and get after it. That, uh, you know, there may be a, a lot more walks that come out of those than than hard hit balls i don't know we'll we'll see you know that's again it's it's that's why we're trying it and we'll see what happens finally don at your level there we're going to see wider bases right bigger bases uh, second what, half of the season second half. Yeah. so real yeah. quick uh, describe that for our listeners well it, it, it's simply the you know the bang bang play uh, the guy trying to beat out a, a ground ball to first base or a, a bunt play where the Somebody gets thrown out by a step. It, you know, I think it's a result of what you've seen as we've been able to, uh, as the the, tele, the televising of games and just the the cameras are are so good today. You can uh, you see how close some of those plays are, and guys are going to be safe. So there's more guys on base, and you know that gets a pitcher in the stretch. Most pitchers aren't as effective out of the stretch as they are out of the windup. Uh, stolen bases. Which really, there's a lot of teams that just have eschewed that completely. It, it it gives you an opportunity now. It's a little, you know, it's a couple inches easier to steal a base. 
I don't know, the, the, the area, you know, the, uh, how guys, how shortstops and second basemen handle double plays around the base. You know, it's going to be easier when it's bigger. Uh, but I would, I'm not sure that that's going to have that big an effect. It might, but again, it's like all of this. It's just going to, it's a wait and see kind of thing. All right, Las Vegas Aviators will kick off the season, like Don said, uh, May the uh, 6th through the 11th, uh, the homestand there. Looking forward to getting back out of the ballpark, my friend, and we appreciate you spending time with us again today. And, my, oh, and, our, and our good friend Jerry Royster says hello as well, too. The rooster. Well, there you go, my guy. He's one of the best. Thanks, guy. I appreciate it. Take care. There he is. All right, Don Donnie Logan. Baseball. Absolutely. Uh, to me, real quick, this is a – Crazy thing. We want to increase offense, so we're going to move back the mound afoot. But then again, we're going to help the defense by enlarging bases at the AAA level. To me, it's almost contradictory. It's like, because who is that supposed to favor? It's supposed to favor, I guess, defense, according to what Don is saying about these bang-bang plays. And now, you know, pitchers aren't as effective out of the stretch. But then again, we're going to move back the mound because we want to see more offense. We're tired of the strikeouts. Oh, and by the way, you know how many strikeouts were uh, in 2019 minor league baseball? 42,843. Yes, so for 15 consecutive years, strikeouts have increased. But again, a lot of the it's pitchers throw the ball harder, but everybody swings for the fences today too. It's a different mindset. Yeah. When you have guys that should be Singles hitters that are setting the table for the other players, thinking that they want to be chicks dig the long ball and I get more money if I hit 20 dingers as opposed to 14, but I have a better batting average. The mentality is one of the reasons there. Some of these guys shouldn't be swinging for the fence every time. When Lou Brock broke into baseball, he was known as a power hitter. Right. He found out, you know, maybe that's not the best way for me to make a career. All right, let's get out of the ballpark. Let's go get some food at the ballpark. I can hardly wait. Limited menu. I know, but... There'll be some good, some good food still in that Don menu. Don seems to really endorse the burrito, eh? Yeah. I've never been a burrito guy, especially at the ballpark. It's not me. Of course, I don't know why I said burrito, a eh, when I all of a sudden made, you know, I put soccer and hockey together hey, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think there's several <laughs> many, many burritos up in Winnipeg. I don't know. They got the jet dog. Look out, though. All right, for Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin saying so long. Make sure you check out the website at tcmartinshow.com. Check out our interview with Bill Lambeer. That's on the website, WNBA Draft, getting ready to start. See how the Aces do with that. Hopefully hear from some draft picks tomorrow. B-Sal, Brian Salmon will join us as well, too. And again, thank Chuck Esposito for joining us, Dr. Christina Madison, great stuff, and Don Logan. Have yourself a good one. We'll see you tomorrow at 2.